0: .NET Rocks episode 863 with guest Dominic Beyer. Recorded live Thursday, March 21st, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support, and by Franklin's.net, makers of GesturePack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at GesturePAK.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app. Available now for Windows Phone 7, iPhone, and Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard, and um, coming to you from the, not quite the flu, but definitely a chest-cold Connecticut See, we're going to have a competition for who's
0: the most altered, because uh, I'm on the sixth day of my juice fast. So, believe it or not, my wife talked me into this, and I am just having juice for all of my meals.
1: Isn't bourbon technically the juice of barley or yeah. wheat or something? Or
0: yeah, no alcohol, corn? buddy. It's been a week. No alcohol at all. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, 10 pounds lighter. Wow. And just a little odd. It's are aren't different. Well, you've had my wife's juice. You know how intense it is. It's very intense. Because it's, it's just juiced kale and celery and all these different vegetables and things. And so, it's like this vitamin bomb in your body. Well, I get that three, four times a day now. And are you hungry? No. That's the one part I got to tell you. I'm not hungry, which blows my mind. I can't imagine why I'm not hungry.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine why either.
0: All I can tell you is that I miss food.
1: All but, right. But so you're not hungry thing. but you miss food, like maybe the feeling of a full stomach or something?
0: I yeah, I, I don't even feel like I'm not full. I just miss food. I want to taste some sushi. I need a steak. And I, <laughs> you know, and red wine and bourbon. Like those are but they're psychological cravings, not physiological
1: cravings. Yeah, I guess you're so. right there. All right. Well, let's jump into better no framework. Awesome. We'll get right to work and keep your mind off that uh, those ribs that are <laughs> That You can smell the neighbor cooking on oh, the Oh, yeah, you're, you're
0: helping me, my friend. Yeah, that's my job, man. That's my job. I thank you for that.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, today I thought I would go into uh, system.security, and I found a suppress unmanaged code security attribute. What? Yeah, this is fun. If you go to tinyurl.com slash stackwalk, it allows managed code to call into unmanaged code without a stackwalk. Caution. Use this attribute with extreme care. Incorrect use can create security weaknesses. Mm. This attribute can be applied to methods that want to call into native code without incurring the performance loss of a runtime security check when doing so. The stack walk performed when calling unmanaged code is omitted at runtime, resulting in substantial performance savings. Using this attribute in a class applies it to all contained Methods Generally, I'm reading right from the help file here. Whenever managed code calls into unmanaged code by p invoke or comment or opt into right. native code, there is a demand for the unmanaged code permission to ensure all callers have the necessary permission to allow this. By applying this explicit attribute, developers can suppress the demand at runtime. The developer must take responsibility for assuring that the transition into unmanaged code is sufficiently protected by other means the demand for the unmanaged code permission will still occur at link time. For example, if function A calls function B, and function B is marked with suppress unmanaged code security attribute, function A will be checked for unmanaged code permission during just-in-time compilation, but not subsequently during runtime. And the attribute's only effective when applied to p-invoke methods, or classes that contain p-invoke methods, or the definition of an interface through which interrupt calls will be made. It will be ignored in all other contexts.
0: i got to think, g- this gives me chills, and I'm sure Dominic's going to chime in on this. I have no doubt at all. I will. The, the only excuse I can see is you're calling into something in a loop, like a lot of times, and every one of those calls has got this, and, and the actual execution block is probably really small, but the security lookup is going to be quite big. Thought, Dan, that gives me chills.
1: Yeah, well, maybe no. maybe the, uh, and hang on, Dominic. Well, maybe, you know, the, there's a way around that by making the first call with the attribute on and then, you know, take uh, make the first call into a class that doesn't have the attribute and the, se- you know, subsequent calls with a class that does. I don't know, possibility. it doesn't. I don't know. When, I don't know. We'll talk to Dom about that, but uh who's
0: talking to us richard i grabbed a comment off of show 852 and that's the one we did with cord davis where we talked about the ethics of big data if you recall right and the comment is from uh tim and i may trash your last name here i'm gonna call it bergen young because it looks like that and he says hi carl and richard spot on interview like always i agree with cord this is a very big topic that we as developers need to address really soon As you said, we tend to do things differently here in Europe. Our regulations tend to see the glass half empty and raise warning flags at any innovation before we start thinking about it. Nevertheless, this top-down approach only seems to slow the way big data and personal statistics are introduced into our lives. It does not necessarily trigger that much needed discussion and reflection about it. In my opinion, the only persons that can really do something are the ones that will always be somehow involved, the developers. Mm. They, meaning we, are the ones that need to understand the ethic of what they, meaning we, are doing or enabling and be proactive in raising flags and speaking our concerns when facing such difficult subjects. Uncle Bob, I I guess he's talking about Bob Martin, Mm -hmm. has been preaching for a while about the professionalization of our industry. Besides the technical aspects that Robert Martin is putting the accent on, this ethical side of the profession also needs to be part of it. Many a profession, medical doctors, lawyers, engineers, and so on, have a code of conduct to live by, and those always contain an ethical part, and this needs to be part of ours. Yeah. You got it, Tim. I mean, I really think of software development these days as engineering, and I don't say that in the context of it can't be beautiful, because it can. A bridge can be beautiful, but first it must carry cars. And as engineers, we have a responsibility for the impact our software has. And so uh, it's one of the reasons we did the show, and I think it's one of the reasons that we as professionals absolutely have to embrace and deal with the consequences of our technology. Mm-hmm. So thanks so much for your comment. Really appreciate it. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, you can write a comment on the website at .NET or write a comment through any of our mobile apps, iPhone, Android, and WinPhone 8. And you can oh, get yeah. the links on the website. And if you write a comment there, it'll show up as part of the same system and we'll send you a mug. And that great
1: set of apps built by Diatom Enterprises. That's right. And they have a podcast app. So if you're a podcaster, you might want to contact them. Uh, it's a beautiful app. Well, before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts, releasing 12 to 15 new courses every month and offering a free 10-day trial for 200 minutes. Pluralsight offers over 20 courses on ASP.NET development, probably more by now, and they have several courses dedicated to understanding security, including ADFS2 and WIF as well as uh, courses on hack-proofing your ASP.net sites. Try Site today, so Christian plans start just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce back to the show Dominic Beyer. Dominic works as an associate consultant for the Germany-based company ThinkTecture. His main area of focus is security in general and identity and access control in particular. He helps customers around the world implementing claims-based identity, single sign-on, authorization and federation in their web applications, services, and APIs. Dominic is an international conference speaker and the author of Developing More Secure ASP.NET Applications and co-author of the Microsoft Patterns and Practices Guide to Claims-Based Identity and Access Control. Welcome back, Dominic. Hey, welcome. Good to have you back. Man, I I remember that first conversation we had, I believe it was at NDC. Two or three years ago now, right? Three years, I think, yeah. yeah. And we really got what that that whiff is all about you know access control is all about business rules and uh it never really sunk in until then at least to me anyway and the light bulb went off and we had you on talking about it but uh it's time to to catch up what's what's new what's new with you first of all
2: <laughs> oh well um i think we we spoke almost exactly like 1 year ago right mhm pretty close and and, um, I think that was, you know, just before .NET 4.5 got released. And uh, that was a, was a big release for, for, for us security guys. Yeah. Because, um, Microsoft took this thing called WIF. Yeah. Um, which was their, you know, incubation kind of, uh, uh, um, attempt to, to bring this claims based Mindset uh, into the mainstream mm-hmm. and took it and, and put it into .net straight right. into .net and and not just you know by adding a new assembly and saying hey here it is if, if you want to use it but you don't have to they actually you know um, um, rebased all of their existing principle and identity implementations to use claims uh, identity and, and principle as a base class yeah so basically so, so basically every application starting with four point five is claims based yeah and that was a big thing. So, uh, and also a, a very important foundation for everything to come now. So that's yeah. basically, that was, was keeping me busy a lot. Yeah. So, uh, um, I'm doing this, this identity training class, uh, which I, I travel, I travel uh, mm-hmm. all over the place and, and I teach people how to use that stuff. Right. And, so, and that's, yeah.
1: So what's new since then?
2: So, um, I, I think the important thing is, um, that, .net 4.5 was really important because it laid the foundation for all the new stuff. Uh, and also they basically um you know did all the WS star support that we we needed like WS federation, WS trust and so on. But I guess what what's really the new thing here is 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 Web uh, API, yeah. Mm. That's I think taking the world by storm right now. The whole idea of modeling services as what they call web APIs now, yeah, which are basically just lightweight HTTP based Services, but kind of you know, uh, make the dream come true of having having a web service that can be called by arbitrary clients. Right. So yeah, obviously, <laughs> just because we have this new technology, the, the the security requirements haven't changed. Yeah. Sure. So that's that's kind of you know keeping me kind so, of <laughs> kind of busy. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: what are the what are the flags that uh, you should be looking for in your project that say you know we really should be using WIF?
2: Um, WIF itself doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It, it basically got merged into .NET.
1: Okay. When I say so, dev I mean the, the system security, uh, stuff, the stuff in .NET.
2: Um, so there are two parts, I think one is, um, the whole idea of claims. So, you know, um, claimed the class called claim claims, identity claims, principle, which are just the base classes for everything we do mm-hmm. in, in .NET. Yeah. And they are in MS core lib. Then there's a, um, one assembly called system identity model, which has support for all these protocols like WS federation, WS security, WS trust, which basically means you need these protocols when you're building certain types of applications. So the so WS federation is for ASP.NET, WS trust and WS, um, uh, security is for WCF, basically. Um, web APIs, for example, um, they, they use, um, a different approach, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're not using WS star. They're not using, uh, uh, redirects. They are basically, um, just, you know, transporting, uh, security tokens over, uh, over HTTP headers. Right. Basically, yeah. Um, but to pass these tokens, for example, and to establish a principle, we just use the .NET 4.5 base classes again, yeah. So passing tokens can be done with system identity model or with, uh, think identity model, which is a, um, a library we we have built on top of that. Oh, very to cool. Make the, to make things easier. Um, but at the end of the day, um, if when all the magic has happened, yeah, that we built basically, um, then you end up with a, um, a claims principle in your web API and you can, you know, do authorization against that. that that's the idea.
1: So tell us about your tools that this is the first I've heard of that, but tell me why, you know, what, what holes the, mm-hmm. your stuff fills.
2: Okay. So, as we all know, Microsoft typically, you know, in when they build like a version one technology, like Web API, is is version one, if you like. They they kind of focus on you know building the foundation, building the, the foundational extensibility points, and focusing on you know a, a limited set of use cases which they think are the most important ones. Mm-hmm. And, um, for version one of the Web API, what they mainly focused on is Windows identity, uh, Windows security, uh, like Windows authentication, which is not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And, and also the Ajax style of scenarios where the, the, the Web API client, like your JavaScript, you know, your jQuery script or whatever, and the Web API itself are in the same application. Right. Where you basically do things like, you know, do validation callbacks or fetch data from, from your own application to, to, you know, fill, fill some data grid, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what they haven't implemented at all, which, uh, I think is, um, the much more common scenario these days are what I call cross domain applications sure. where the web, a- web API and the client are in different domains. They're yeah, like a desktop a uh, client calls a web api uh, an ios client calls a web api an android client calls a web api or maybe a web application calls into a different server to consume web apis mm-hmm. and that is uh, something you know where it was technically possible to do that but microsoft hasn't implemented that and that's where we fill the gap here so it, um this library is called fintech identity model it's on github it's open source we have like um, almost 20000 downloads on nuget and um it basically has easy-to-use methods like to add support for basic authentication, add support for client certificates, add support for JSON web tokens, uh, add support for SAML tokens, even if you are in integration scenarios where you have like your SAML-based uh, security token system, but want to, you know, secure web APIs and, you know, you're somewhere in between the new and the old world. Hmm. Um Um, have support for claims transformation, have support for claims based authorization. It's all, you know, a nice package that neatly integrates into MVC and the API.
1: Wow. So everything old is new again. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's funny. I should point
2: out one, one really important thing or one interesting thing is CORS, which is um, a new standard, um, stands for cross origin resource sharing. And that's a W three standard, and uh, that basically, you know, um, controls how um, uh, JavaScript based clients can call cross domain into web APIs. Right. So by default, this is, this isn't allowed. Yeah. So if you're basically going to server one, and that contains JavaScript, um, so ser- um, that JavaScript coming from server one as the origin can't call into server two. Right. Which is which is, is a security thing, right? Because you don't Cross-side want scripting. Well. Yeah. Y- or even more, you 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 don't want to go to page one, which um transmits code to your local machine and they start using your machine to attack uh you know server two. Right, right. For example, yeah. So there's a standard called cause for that, and that you know is, is also very important, and and again, that wasn't implemented. So um my good friend Brock Allen basically did the implementation uh for that in the ThinkTecture Identity model, and now, which is really um, nice is this now becomes system.web.core. So Microsoft picked that up and we're now contributing to ASP.NET.
1: Wow, that's great. Yeah. So how do you get around the, uh, or how do you deal with the, the security issue of the cross site, you know, different cross site attacks and things?
2: So basically how course works is that, um, let's say you're doing, um, a post to server two. Then what did the browser actually does is it first set, sends an options request to server two saying, hey, This is the JavaScript coming from origin server one, and it now wants to do a post and it will it will send these headers. Do you want to allow that? And then you, you know, run run through your evaluation framework saying, okay, do I do I allow origin server one? Do I allow these headers and basically send back a yes or no? Mm -hmm. And when that is satisfied, the browser does the actual post.
0: So you're really just saying you're asking the next guy nicely. Are you expecting me? Yes. It's very much like, you know, uh, in Silverlight or in uh, uh, Flash, the
2: client access policy XML file or the, you know, um, where you had like a policy, a static policy. Now, now this is the the same thing, just that dynamically. So basically, the browser asks you, do you want that? You say yes, and then you actually get the real request.
0: Okay. So, I mean, that means I do have to establish the relationship in advance with server two so that they know server one is coming.
2: Well, server two knows that server one is an allowed origin, yeah. Right, or, so we, we I mean, have to make a deal. You, you you can always say, like, allow everyone, yeah, if you really want that. Yeah,
0: Yeah, but that's asking for trouble, too.
2: Yes, I mean, for some public APIs, that makes total sense, I guess, if you want to support, you know, you, you're you building a, 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 an API that is, by definition, a public API. Right. And, and you want to not, you know, you, you want
0: to be able to be called via JavaScript, and you would do an allow all. Yeah, I, I, I'm presuming, like, Facebook's OAuth implementation has an allow-all. OAuth doesn't use uh,
2: posts. Uh, they think browser re- redirects. So oh, that, right, that, of course,
0: yeah. So they don't have that issue at all. No,
2: but let's say, um, I guess, uh, let, let's say you, you would write a JavaScript-based Twitter client, for example, yeah? So you need to be able to access the Twitter API. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if, if Twitter allows it, but that would be an example where you, I guess, by definition, want to allow everyone. Yeah. Because uh, that's
0: the nature of the thing you're building. Yeah. But I, I get your, your thought there that there's stuff that's big enough. And you're also, you, you've told your ops guys essentially, you know, this could be besieged. It's really looking at it from the perspective of you have to come up with another way to deal with potential denial of service attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. You know, it's, it's just a question of of choosing how much you, what you're actually going to do there.
2: Sure, I mean it's you know it's it's not your last line of defense thing because you know you could always call your stuff without JavaScript. Yeah, I mean it's more or less like a uh, um, to coordinate what JavaScript based or user agent based applications are allowed to do in your API. Right. More more
0: like a transport authorization thing, if you if you like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could, you look at it that way. I mean, anybody can change their agent if they're, if, if the bad guys can certainly change their agents if sure. they want to. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that, that's been keeping us quite busy. I mean, um, the whole web API thing, because also now when you are going to the, the web API route, then you wouldn't do WS star anymore. Obviously, you don't want to do a SAML, right? You don't right. want to do, uh, um, uh, WS trust or something like that. So there, there's a whole, suite of new protocols and things to learn. Yeah. Which, you know, keeps our (laughs) job just interesting. Yeah. So first of all, there's, there's, there's this thing called JSON web tokens now. Yeah. So the replacement for SAML is now called JSON web tokens or JOTS as -hmm. the cool kids call it. Um, and obviously the idea is now to have a a simplified data structure, which also can be easily passed in JavaScript, for example, or other platforms that, that have a JSON parser because, you know, SAML is kind of a big thing with, you know, Lots of XML stuff involved, right. yeah. So yeah, JSON web tokens um, is the big thing. So we build support for that um, just to fill the gap. Now Microsoft is um, has released the first CTP of their JOT um, support as well because they you know they need that for for their stuff as well. Right. A- and I'm totally happy once that that is released to you know re- re- replace my code with theirs. Yeah. Um, Isn't that
1: they support yeah. that in Azure? Right. Active Directory in Azure.
2: Yeah, I mean that is all you know CTP stuff right yeah. now. Um, but yeah, I mean um, once the whole thing unfolds, yeah, like the whole strategy with Azure and Office and all that stuff. The, obviously, that the main thing the, um, that that transports um, security information will be these JSON Web Tokens. So yes, we we need that. Yeah.
0: Well, like you said, it is Web API is effectively 1.0, and they've only got so many cycles for what's going to make the first round. We had a great conversation in an earlier show. With some of the guys involved in that, and they're like they're trying right. to stay really low level. They haven't done a lot with the security model yet. Nothing actually, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which which was by
2: design. Um, so so I said for uh, they said for version one, um, we just uh, you know um, we we our model is that uh, security is a host concern. So you, you already have stuff built into ASP.NET, for example. Right. Uh, and, uh, for version one, until we've figured out what people really want, we, we, we won't build anything af- because afterwards we have to live with that, even if it was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. 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 Good point. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, uh, I think a, a clever move. Yeah. And, um, what we just did, um, at FinTechure was basically we, we looked at our customers and what, what are they trying to do? And, you know, just, just build that library. And as I said,
0: uh, I'm I'm totally happy to remove stuff from my library when when it's part of the platform. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I I really appreciate what you're doing here. I mean, you're basically helping them by working with your customers and solving their problems, so that they can see here's one of the ways to solve this. Right.
2: Yeah, and and as I said, I'm I, we are totally. You know, I'm proud would be like maybe too much, but um, it's nice to see that they acknowledge that with with the course implementation, for example. And it's now really, you know, it's part part of the platform, which is nice, yeah. Yeah, that's very yeah, nice. That's good stuff.
1: This is the so way. The, uh, uh, this, yeah. this is the way that um, data is going to be passed around in the future. It's it's just inevitable that we're headed this way.
2: Yeah. So basically, now this JSON Web Token thing is the token type.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: And um, so the next big thing to learn, I guess, is uh, what, what is called OAuth two. Yeah. So O of two is the the protocol suite or the framework as they call it right now. There's, there's lots lots of con, um um discussion about O of two right now if it's good or bad or something in between. But um I, I guess it, it it's just the way which it will go. Yeah. I mean um all the big guys like Facebook and Google and so on, they are using it. Right. Microsoft Microsoft is using it. And it you know it's it has lots of good things in there. The the the, the initial the first version of the spec, I guess, was not like the most brilliant piece of work. <laughs> 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 um, so, but the same happened with O of one. They, they, pretty much, you know, after O of one was published, that there was a one, uh, o of one A specification, which kind of, you know, fixed some bugs and, uh, um, narrowed down choices. So, so, so my, my main problem with the O of two spec is that, um, when you ever read a spec, you know, that, there are these things called optional and should and may yeah. <laughs> and out of scope and at the discretion of the implementer. <laughs> and <laughs> and oh, then
1: man. a miracle occurs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and um, obviously, if you have too much of, of these phrases yeah, in a spec, then this leads to uh, n- incompatible implementations. Right, absolutely. And um, then was the
1: goal of OAuth 2 to just make this drop dead simple.
2: Well, it is simple from a, you know, from a, from a, From an interaction point of view yeah what you have to do um like when you are when you are a client for example and you have to use the protocol it's that simple um but you know the thing what that happened is um after O of one gained that much traction obviously all the big companies went to the ietf that i want to have my saying in there as well yeah like google google microsoft facebook all the big guys went to these ietf meetings yeah and that that's actually an, an interesting story yeah and um and everybody had their own ideas in it, it it felt a lot like ws star at the end yeah like where they had all you know their their own interests and there was one guy um, um aaron hammer he, he he was the the creator of OAuth and he was so pissed off in the end that he resigned like half a year before the the thing was done and said wow. like remove my name from the spec wow. i'm done with that mm-hmm. yeah and he he wrote a, a number of blog posts. One is called OOF uh, and the Road to Hell. <laughs> um, so in the end, Microsoft had to hire a guy called uh, Dick Hart, who is pretty famous in the identity space. He did this re- really, really famous talk called Identity 2.0. Right.
0: Um, yeah, the OzCon
2: talk. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So he basically wrote the final revision of that spec to, to, to basically to get it out the door. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> So all the companies have left by then. Yeah. Like, um, when you look at the spec, it, it just says, take heart Microsoft and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, there's, there's a bit of controversy around OAuth too. Um, because you, I, I, I just, just wrote a blog post about that. Um, um, so one problem, for example, is that as, as, as you said, Carl, it looks very easy. Yeah. It, it's like, Oh, you do, you do this redirect and you do a post and you're done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, but that's, that's always. It's like version two disease, you know we take all the stuff that we specifically made more uh explicit and try to wrap it all up because we find out what people want to do most of the time and then make everything you know just assume like you know we, we make a convention, boom, it just works, except that if it doesn't work the way you want, now you're back at brick wall
2: well that that might be one problem, the other the other problem, as I said, is you have many many options how to implement a thing. And, and the the interesting thing is what happened in the last weeks is that Facebook got hacked several times. Yeah. And it was, it it was their OAuth implementation that got, that went wrong. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yes, because you know, they, they, they basically took one of the revisions somewhere in between started implementing it. Yeah and yeah i mean the thing is um even if it's now using a, a simple http protocol it's still a security protocol that you're implementing yeah and they had all all the really embarrassing problems like open redirects cross site scripting
0: you know um well and this is what aaron hammer was saying in his blog post when uh, the road to hell exactly is- A a OAuth 2.0 in the hands of a very experienced developer with a deep understanding of web security will likely result in a secure implementation, but in the hands of most developers, and this has been my experience, it's going to produce insecure implementations. Because when you have options, people pick the path of least resistance and leave whole. Especially developers.
2: Yeah. So one of, uh, and that's a very good quote. Yeah. And the the other thing that Aaron really always tried to educate people is that just relying on uh, i mean re- relying solely on ssl is not enough yeah so um i did this experiment like went to google and and asked like how to how to um deal with ssl validation errors and the first 10 hits basically describe how to turn off ssl validation <laughs> oh my god and now imagine this i mean this oauth protocol is is built for mobile applications like you're like you are you're sitting at the airport with your ipad and you're connecting to your maybe your even your corporate uh, system yeah right and and now the, the the guy that wrote the app turned off ssl validation yeah i mean that's catastrophic yeah <laughs> hmm. so um uh, to, to to make this short, yeah, um OAuth two is is I guess the right direction, but the current spec needs refinement. And I think what we really need is, is is like a profile, like like a basic profile, like where t- there are not so many options, like you're saying do it like this, and you yeah. are on the ha- on, on the happy path. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And the, the bigger thing here is you're actually gonna want to have clients interrogating the OAuth site to say, are you implemented like this? Because if you're not, I don't want to connect to you. You're a, you're a security risk. That's, and the, yeah, I mean, that's actually very hard to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Because,
2: um, as I said, so, um, so what, what I did as part of my open source, uh, security token service is I did an implementation of OAuth 2, yeah. And that's where I, you know, I realized, wow, it's, it's, it's actually hard to, to implement it the right way. Um, and, and part of that is because the spec is very unclear on, on details. Um, so, for example, uh, Another really big problem with, uh, and one of Aaron's main points is also um, that the spec did never specify a token type. So people
1: came up with their own token types. And oh, de-
2: designing a token, a security token, is hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Huh. So the whole yeah. idea of a spec just sort of goes out the window, doesn't it? Whenever, and yeah, when I mean, so I mean, I mean the
2: fu- funny side note is that they had to rename it from the OAuth 2 protocol to the OAuth 2 framework. Wow.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a protocol. This is the
0: path to hell. That's what
1: this is. Well, Richard, you know what time it is now? Oh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, time for me to take more NyQuil. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe deep, buddy. Breathe deep. No, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And this is brought to you by Telerik, makers of Test Studio an automated testing tool that offers a codeless and productive way to test any application, AJAX, Silverlight, WPF, MVC, Ruby, and Java. Test Studio seamlessly integrates with Microsoft TFS to simplify the collaboration among QAs and developers. In addition, Test Studio can also interact with any other file-based source control system. Want to give it a try? Download a free 30-day trial at telerik.com dnrtesting. And make sure that you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. All right, buddy. Who's our winner this time? Today's winner is Andreas Bogvila from Vilnius, Lithuania. Ah,
0: I love Lithuania. Congratulations, Andreas.
1: I've never been Roll there, but I you. heard the food is great.
0: Uh, it's a lovely place. Yeah, yeah. I did some work in, in Vilnius way back when. It's an awesome place. So a devcraft complete is on its way to you. And if you don't know what we're talking about, just go to the .NET Rocks site
1: and uh, click on the big link that says get free stuff. That's right. Just answer a few questions, and you'll join the thousands of members of the .NET Rocks fan club. We give away stuff every show, and every December we give away five thousand dollars worth of technology to one lucky member. We like to ask our guests, Dom, if you had five grand to spend on toys, what would you buy? Wow, I guess a new camera. (laughs) That's perfectly cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've got
0: a few folks say cameras now, especially with the big lens. Five oh, yeah. grand on an SLR? build you yeah, a heck of an SLR. It would, wouldn't it?
2: No, uh, I actually, um, w- the, the
0: camera I'd really lo- love to buy is a Leica. Um, oh, could you be any more German? Honestly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Was he, are, he's like the second guy who said he wanted a $50,000 camera or something.
2: Yeah, it's not fifty thousand, but it's a lot of money, and you don't even get a lens with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, you want a lens with that? Oh, that's
2: a whole other <laughs> thing. Are you talking about the V-Lux? Um, no, it, it's it's called the M. The M series, like they have a new one M, or the M nine, which is which is the classic one. And it,
0: it you know, it, it's it's really like a manual thing, a rangefinder camera, no
2: autofocus, nothing.
0: It's like it's a throwback camera, right? It looks like the old style is from like World War yes. II.
2: Yeah, yeah, R- rangefinder style.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. It, it's uh, yeah, but but they, they have a
1: brilliant uh, image quality. yeah. Well, Dominic, whatever happened to InfoCard? I know that card space was Microsoft's implementation of that, and so that died a horrible death. But what, what about InfoCard itself? So, talking about that technology, I,
2: I just want to make a, um, one comment about your suppress unmanaged code security thing. You oh, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: right. We never talked about that. So, do you know how, how Microsoft internally abbreviated this, this uh, attribute? Uh, probably DNR, dead, do not resuscitate. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. 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 (laughs) sucks.
2: (laughs) Suppress unmanaged code security. Yeah, Yeah, right. No, but I mean, this was actually a very legitimate thing to do, yeah? Yeah. So so back in the days, maybe you remember that you had uh, this concept of partial trust. Right. So basically, you you could have a partially trusted application calling into something that is fully trusted, like something that's in the gag. And maybe that thing in the gag wanted to call into Win32. Mm -hmm. So you had to stop the stack walk. And that's what this thing was for. Right. Right. So uh, it's actually very useful, uh, but the whole idea will is, is dead, as dead as info cards. As coming dead as that. info cards. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we have to, I mean, distinguish between uh, card space and info card. So card space right. was an implementation from Microsoft and they canned the whole thing. Yeah uh unfortunately at a point where i thought it, it was really good yeah it, it 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 was very well integrated into the, uh, windows yeah so the, the last version they wrote was basically um, a native implementation yeah mm-hmm. um but infocard itself had this problem uh, this this, um, this this idea to give the user more control user centric identity i guess you have heard right. the term before yeah where where you think like uh, what type of information you want to release and stuff like that and yeah. and Especially governments liked it, really. Yeah. And, sure. and, um, and actually, I, I just read a spec, um, like the next thing I'm going to implement. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> uh, um, so, so what, what comes very close to that is, uh, this, this new thing called Open ID Connect. Okay. So Open ID Connect has the same concept, you know, um, so, uh, so, so, um, one step back. Open ID Connect is a specification that sits on top of OAuth 2. So one common misconception about O of two is that um uh O of two is an authorization protocol. It's not an authentication protocol. Yeah, and um a number of people tried to do authentication with O of two and, and failed miserably. One of them being Facebook, for example. Yeah? yeah. Um and OpenID Connect is really like the the way h- how you can do Authentication using the OAuth 2 message syntax, and they have a lot of um, of these concepts where an application can ask for, "I would like to have your email address, your first name, your last name, and mm-hmm. your gender," and then you know the the, the, the user goes to a consent page saying, "You know what? I I give you my email address, but not my gender." Um, so so you you are more in control again of what information you want to release right. to applications, stuff like that, and that that was the info card idea. Uh, I mean. Um, not exactly, but, um, in, in many ways that to give the user, to put the user into
1: the center. Yeah. And, and, and that is both a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Because it's great for the user who knows what they want to give away and who knows what they want to keep and actually thinks about those things. But most users just assume that their stuff is safe and they just want to go ahead and, you yeah. know, they want to go buy a product or they want to do something. They're not thinking about security, sure. right? So what, what I like is the idea that, you know, when some, you start out giving nothing away, like you have an info card, let's say, or an open ID author. And, you know, something asks you, hey, this site wants your permission and do you want to give it to them? You have things like ask me every time or always give away my name, my first and last name. Never, you know, the stuff that you want to allow, you can say, you can check things off. And so you're sort of building your, Policy as oh, yeah. you're using it, right? So, I like that idea. Is that is yeah. that part of the uh, implementation?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, again, OpenID Connect defines the the messages going back and forth. Yeah, not how your content screen looks like. Yeah, sure. That is yeah, like. Yeah. I mean that is uh, yeah that's the biggest challenge I think yeah so a, I recently read a blog post from a guy that made up a consent screen yeah which basically said like the application wants to access your Twitter feeds and
1: murder your children
2: yeah, <laughs> and, yeah exactly
1: <laughs> and most people clicked allow yeah <laughs> it's kind of like you know passing a bill in Congress you know so Carl yeah Richard you ever embed Excel into an application ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago, I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's component1spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.net and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Component 1. Smarter components for smarter developers.
0: You know, it's funny because the... um, uh, you were mentioning Dick Hart and that OzCom presentation you were talking about, and I'll include the link if you've ever, never seen it. It's like 50 minutes and it's amazing, was about exactly that. I want, there's a set of things I want people to know about me, so I don't have to keep telling them over and over again, and I want to be able to control it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was really like, yeah. for me, that, that, that was like the most important talk I've ever seen on the topic. Yeah. Like, like after that said, oh, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's still worth watching even after, I don't know, five years or even, even longer. Uh, remember, yeah, 2005, yeah. my friend. It's a oh, long yeah. time ago.
0: Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was talking about info cards in his talk as well, yeah? <laughs> I, I mean, he was even predating that. Well, he had a company back then called Skip, yes. S-X-I-P, and it was an add-in into the old Firefox that yes. would just do it automatically for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it actually, ended up
0: never going anywhere, but it was a brilliant idea that just, you know, fill this stuff in for me.
2: And do you know that this guy even was the founder of ActiveState? The old uh, pearl thing for for Windows. Wow,
0: yeah, he got around.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. so so um yeah, I mean this this consent screen. So I I recently did a talk um in in London and I showed the OAuth um idea yeah and and the consent screen yeah and you know where basically the thing that like application X wants to get access to data Y. Do you agree? Yeah, and 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 one guy asked me like, okay, but um this new protocol i mean can um, my grandma would would click yes here and i said yeah well actually no one can save your grandma on the internet right i mean <laughs> yeah it's it's like if you click yes then you exactly get what you clicked on right you allow application x to access your data <laughs> yeah
0: um so no there's, protocol yeah there's no such thing as security through inconvenience right right let's uh, just make the thing convenient. That, that's the whole point here it's like well if i mark grandma has to actually fill all this stuff in well that's inconvenient enough she won't do it so she'll be more secure
1: well and i think the key is don't make her do it until she needs to do it you know so i think making people think about the future and what they might do on the internet and what they might give away you know up front is kind of put offish
2: yeah i mean it, it's a tough problem to solve it's and it's not even a, a technology problem yeah no it's, it's
0: not
1: yeah yeah it's
0: well, and I've also seen, you know, right alongside this, this is this whole, I remember when we were dreaming about single sign-on and yeah. now there's sort of the lashback against it because you get your Facebook account cut off for some reason. Everything suddenly you can't dead. access
1: half your services. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the, the bad, the, the
2: sad thing is really that, you know, especially Facebook now even has like a kind of official APIs that, that, that allows you to spy on you. I mean, like, you know, all these ad, these ad problems where they find out, you know, yeah, that, you know, is, is, is just unfortunate. Yeah. That things work like this. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you have a, if you are a developer with good intentions, these new protocols help you actually, um, to do the right thing. So, for example, in Windows eight, they have built in, and that, that's quite interesting. In Windows eight, they have built in Windows APIs for doing OAuth style authorization. Yeah.
1: Um, What's OAuth a, the, style versus OAuth?
2: Well, uh, OAuth is many things, as I <laughs> said earlier. Yeah. But one, one very common pattern in OAuth is that they open like an embedded browser uh-huh. in the application and you type in your credentials in that embedded browser and not into the actual application. So, for example, when you uh, like authorize your Twitter app to read your Twitter feed, mm-hmm. for example, w- how that typically works is they open a browser. Which uh, shows the Twitter login screen and then you log in, in at Twitter and authorize that application to access the data. And the good thing is that the actual application never ever saw your password. Yeah. Mm. So all they get back from Twitter is, it, is, is an access token and then nice. they can store that access token. Um, and don't have to bother you again with the password. Yeah. I mean, that is all, I mean, that, 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 that is all security theater. If, if you think about it, yeah, because there's no way you can tell that this application is really showing you the Twitter web page. They, they, they could render the whole thing themselves, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. But um I'm saying if you are a developer with good intentions, yeah, you can use that stuff and you'd never ever see that password. You never ever have to store that password somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you're storing is, is an access token and the user can revoke the access token. So that's how it should work. Yeah. Right. um. Unfortunately, as I said, this doesn't help the end user to, to distinguish between good and bad apps. But as I said, it's it's interesting that Microsoft even built that thing right into the operating system. So you have support. Um, it, it's called the, the Web Authentication Broker. And uh, basically this, this deals with opening that Web uh, container, which uh, is protected from the rest of the application and has its own cookie container, stuff like that. So you don't share cookies with other browsers, things like that. and. Um, and then gives you back an access token. Yeah, <clears throat> so that's um, I mean, that's how things work. As I said, it's mm, as soon as you have an application natively on your device, that was already a trust decision. If you think about it, yeah? Um But it, as I said, it, it can help the good developer to do things right.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the important part. Is that when you do? There is a way to do it right. And sometimes these are really, really hard to deal with uh, without it. Hey, I, I, uh, I got to put you on the spot here. I, we, we would dance around this a little bit, but, uh, and I got it from Twitter as well. Diane Wiss- Wilson, who's a regular listener, sent me this question. Uh, the best way to secure a web service over the public internet, which is critical for enterprise mobile. You know, I know you have your opinions here and, and so we're talking web, say we're talking web API. We got mm-hmm. all these problems with the configuration. What's the right way to do this? What do you <laughs> prefer?
2: Well, I, I prefer in general, um, um well, based on tokens, meaning that you have um in OAuth speak a thing called the authorization server. Right. And and that client goes to the authorization server, authenticates with whatever credentials make sense for you. Yeah, there could be a you know um, a username password, there could be a client certificate, yeah, what, whatever. And then you get back a token and you use that token to access the actual service. And, um, especially for mobile applications what what doesn't work anymore is that you had that they have to type in the password every time they're opening the application, right? and yeah. you're standing there with your smartphone and trying to put in this forty character password, yeah user users will will hate you for that right <laughs> um so the other the other really the the other alternative you have is to store that password, yeah, and you don't want to do that either, <laughs> yeah no. so yeah, so 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 the middle ground is here that you're going to this authorization server, they issue you a token. That might be even longer lived. Yeah. So like, for example, Google, um, issues cookies that, that are valid for 14 days. Right. And then you have to re-authenticate, for example. Um, so yeah. So not so
0: just y- a session token, not just for your interaction right now, but one that will last a while.
2: Right. But not and forever. W- exactly. Not forever. You can store that token on the device. Yeah. Given um, and this this token can typically be revoked also by the user even before that fourteen days. So if the device got stolen or lost, for example, you can revoke access to that. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, that's the that's the right way of doing it today. Don't try to implement password
0: based authentication directly in your services. Mm -hmm. That is the total the total anti pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it not because it won't work, but because you will lead to bad security outcomes. Someone's going to save that password somewhere, exactly. and create a security risk. And that's actually what OAuth covers. Yeah, it, it's called the implicit flow. If if
2: the client is a native client, then um, there's a flow,
0: especially for that, where they open this browser window, you type in your password, you get back the access token, and so on. Right. Yeah, and, that, and you want to make that nice and automated. But I, I really like this idea that then, you you know, now you can have a discussion about, well, how long should we keep this around? Sure. That's, it, I mean, especially when you talk about mobile, the tendency to lose connections, if you only had a session-based token, you could be entering your password a dozen times over the course of one real session just because mobile's cranky that way. Yeah, yeah. You, you want something that persists for a while so that you can bridge the gap between connectivity issues. Right.
2: I mean, you can basically issue like a, a this this JSON Web Token, for example. You know, give that a, a, a longer lifetime, yeah. And um or the the, the other approach that that uh, some people or well, many people actually use is that that you get back two sets of tokens. One is an access token, which has a short lifetime, maybe one hour, right? And a uh, so a so called refresh token. So the the refresh token can be used to get new access tokens. So whenever you, you, you keep the actual access token really short lived that in the case it, it gets stolen. Yeah. Right. It only, only has like a one hour lifetime. And to get a new token, you need the refresh token and you need to re-authenticate the, application itself needs to re with the authorization server.
0: So that's something in between, for example. Yeah. So they don't have to enter the password. No. It's, but it, it's, but they do busy- have to go negotiate another session token.
2: It's 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 not really a session token. It's an access token.
0: Um, okay. There's 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 no session involved here,
2: really. Um, it it's just you know um like uh, an alternative to a long-lived token.
0: Use a short-lived token and a way to get new short-lived tokens. And that yeah, that can I, be- I also appreciate the idea that if you aren't going to go down these all these hoops, then we normally have these short-lived tokens. But if you do want to have something more persistent, then you can request this longer-lived token that makes things simpler. To get the short-lived tokens.
2: Yeah. I mean, also, so- sometimes applications want to do processing on behalf of the user, even if the user is not using the application or logged in
0: actively. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's also where these refresh tokens are useful. Yeah. They give, it, give it a way to do a long-running background process. Yeah, for example. That's yeah. identified as the user that requested it. Yes. Um, and, yeah. I mean
2: or or maybe maybe you know the the application gets called by the operating system so, so for example in windows 8 we have this uh, search contract mm-hmm. so you can search using an operating system facility in other applications and and typically to you know that the application can fulfill the search request it has to go back to some backend resource and that needs authentication and you don't want to, the first thing that po- would pop up then would be a log on dialog yeah just just right. for searching yeah so for 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 these scenarios you can use these uh, refresh tokens basically yeah
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it makes, that makes a lot of sense actually to get back to this is what I was working on. And I do, you know, I think guys like Google got it really well nailed where whenever I do something a little different than my normal routine, they ask me a couple more questions. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm
2: deeply, I'm deeply impressed with the Google um security system. So um I I went to Oslo 4 weeks ago. Yeah. Um and uh I I opened my laptop and and I have um on my Mac I have a um, an application that that uh, is a client for Google Reader, uh, Rest in Peace by the way. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I, that really sucks I think. Well, but a uh, different story, yeah. So basically I, I opened conversation. I opened my my laptop, yeah, and uh, it uh, my application that access denied and it, in the same moment I got an email from Google saying, "Hey, are you in Oslo? <laughs> right. <laughs> are you really sure that you want uh, that? That's funny. That, so you know, there's fine.
1: there's like a an average travel behavior that you're expected to follow, you know, and if you're not, you're a suspect. <laughs> so, um, so, so it, it was just a matter of two clicks to basically um
2: unlock my access, but you know, they 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 were trying to protect me, and 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 I read an article, um, that. Every time someone logs into Google, there are like, there's a workflow involved with 120 basically, uh, decision points. Right. Um, when, uh, until they come up with is, is it okay or not to let this login go through? So there's this guy called Tim Bray at Google, um, who was actually involved in the XML spec. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he works at this, uh, or is part of that security engineering team. And he also has, has a really good uh, blog about all these things. And he also has a really good blog on OAuth. Um, so if you want to read that up, a really good balanced view. And, um, he talks a lot about these things. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed how Google takes this stuff seriously. Where, where others still, you know, do their own little, you know, implementations. They really build a, a solid system around all these new authentication methods and protocols. And, and they make it work. I mean, they have a really strong, uh, service, um, um, backend stuff that works together and also Android being tightly integrated into that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I think this is great line. And it, where we're talking about the two token system is where I, I was going with this. This is great line between annoying people with security and mm. making them feel secure. If right. you don't feel secure, if every time you use your phone it just goes through to everything, you never need to log in again. You know, that's not necessarily secure either. It's you've got to check on them every so often. And that's, you I know, mean, what I really appreciated about Google is I land in in China and I go to fire up my phone and I get that message. Hey, are you in China? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I am. Thanks for <laughs> asking. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I feel more confident now. Right. And the really good thing was that
2: you know that the process of you know unlocking your account was really easy so they, they don't make it hard Yeah they, they really took care that you know this is is is
0: not an unpleasant experience for you yeah. right <laughs> so yeah yeah it's got it you've you, got to be a way to say yes right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the problem is uh yeah we're not sure you, you i think credit cards get this wrong where they'll cut off the card right because oh, yeah. oh you know you were doing transactions in china that's because i'm in china right you yeah know, that, that like that happens so often
2: yeah yeah
0: well, guys, I think that's about a show. Dominic, where can we see you next? We're going to see you at NDC this year.
2: Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm actually doing um, um, a two day uh, pre con workshop on identity at NDC. So wow. if you, if you're around, just come two days earlier. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm. I'm doing uh, two days uh, on uh, .NET four point five, W F, Web API, the cloud, Windows Azure, Active Directory, all that good stuff. The the big the big round. A big lap around all that stuff, yeah. And then yeah, I'm, you bring I'm us up to I'm, speed I'm, in one I'm, shot. And I'm and I'm doing two talks um, at NDC. One is about web API security, and one is more like um, uh, only about
1: OAuth two. Actually, it's, it's called OAuth two uh, ready or not. <laughs> awesome, nice. Well, Dominic, thank you very much for coming back, talking about it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you next time on .NET rocks. Thanks for listening, and remember. Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions providing professional audio audio mastering video post production and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net